Hey folks, this is Bailey from Dankless Wargaming. Hey, this is Heath from Team Table War Hawaii. And welcome to the Path to Redemption, the Dark Angels podcast. Or I guess the Warhammer 40,000 Dark Angels podcast. Our aim is to provide Dark Angels players with the tactical and hobby skills that they need in order to compete and enjoy this wonderful hobby of ours. Alright, so this week we're going to look at some new releases, some things that are up on pre-order, although they didn't really go on pre-order, so we'll talk about that. Uh, in MetaWatch we didn't have a lot of major events outside of LVO and there wasn't a Goonhammer article this month yet that I found so we're just going to talk about the Highlander event I played in yesterday I got some good details and in our featured segment Heath and I are going to go over some beginners Dark Angels list using Tabletop Simulator or TTS should be pretty cool we're going to take a look at our hobby challenge see if we cleared out I know in our New Year's resolution hobby challenge if we cleared out anything maybe look at uh, a Maybe you consider it controversial. Uh, maybe not. Potential. I don't know if he's looked at the show notes yet uh, on the uh, next month's support. Take a look at that. Maybe. I, maybe I saw that. I'm I'm down to get down. I'm down. Right, well, I'm down we'll get, to get down. We'll get to that. Uh, then, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. And then we have a lot of community interaction, so we actually have to like save some time for that segment because a lot of people chimed in on the Charlie Andre interview, which was awesome. It's one of our most popular things we've ever done. So I think it was. Uh, yeah. I think it was a good. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like, you know, uh, I I, I kind of had a suspicion, and this parent turned out to be true. That when you actually get a top player, you know, in front of you and say, "Hey, how do you play this? What do you think?" What they're thinking is completely contrary to the traditional wisdom, and that really that really held out when we got Charlie talking about how his uh, his Terminator list plays out. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and take a look at it. It's really worth it. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Oh yeah. All right, so new releases. Uh, there's a, the, some new McFarlane miniatures coming out, or models coming out. Uh, it was, I think, I was looking at their website. You had to go through Amazon to get it, but the Reaver, the just the gray Reaver that you can paint whatever color you want, that's going to be out soon. It's up for pre-order on Amazon for nineteen ninety nine. And looking at some of like the suggested buys down at the bottom on Amazon, like the Hell Blasters were. Like almost thirty one dollars now, and trying to get the OG Intercessor artist proof is like eighty dollars as an offer on Amazon. So if you really really like this, Yeats. like the pre painted Ultramarines guys, seventy bucks. Like if you really like the McFarland models and you want the Space Marine guy, like get on the pre order train because if you miss it, it's going to get expensive fast. It looks like, uh, and then on top of that. There was uh, Amazon is also offering us Warhammer Forty Thousand Risk. I don't know if you saw that Heath. Oh, that I like. Uh, I like Risk. I so did. I, I do like Risk. So you can get a forty k themed Risk game. That's uh, forty nine ninety nine. That's also on pre order. Because like this was supposed to be. They they have an article on Warhammer Community about it. But when you click on the links to go do the pre order, the links don't work. They're all dead, which is really really sad. Um, hmm. But they've okay. got. The box. They've got a little map. They got the cards. They got some little mini guys. So um, it's oh, it's a vigilist theme. So we've got you know you got a Baden on the cover. You got Black Legion guys. All, oh, it's just like literally all Black Legion all over the cover and some Ultramarine guys. Of course, you know they're the they're the yeah, favorite yeah, children. Yeah, the poster boys. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see the event exclusive? They've announced the event exclusive since the last podcast uh, for the twenty twenty two year. Uh, I'm assuming this guy's will be in that forty dollar, fifty dollar range, probably single character. He's a a 
champion, a chapter champion, a Primaris the, one, and he's got a cloak, and he's got the laureled helmet. He's got uh, his sword, his power sword. He's going to hold it two hands, you know, getting ready to stab somebody. In the, yeah, in it's front. a, it's a, it's a unique pose. The and the tabard really makes it means I think that you can you can dark angel them up pretty good. I'm looking at it right now. There doesn't appear to be a lot of there. There's not really any like ultramarine iconography. So you replace that laureled helmet, and you're in business. You can yep. do some cool stuff with this. I this will be a great. Um, this will actually also be a really nice uh, way to bring some variation to your Blade Guard veterans. Oh, yeah. I think. Uh, or potentially an Assault Intercessor Sergeant. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, could, I could get my hands on this. I could see that. All right. Uh, now, this last thing in the new releases is kind That's of good releases. And uh, this is probably not going, sadly, you know, based on the time, the day of recording is the day this is happening. So just be aware that going forward, uh, the... Dark Angels uh, Chapter Master, and I think there was one. No, I think it's just it must just be him. Uh, model that where he's got like the big robe over one shoulder and he's holding his sword kind of by the handle planted in the ground. Uh, that guy is going away. Yeah, the old Company Master. Yep, yep. He well, is now... not permanently. There, it's a range right. rotation. So it'll be it'll be like he'll come back at some point in the future, but we don't know when. Yeah, he'll um, be like a, a made to order. It's a cool. It's a good model. It's been. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I don't even know if it's gonna be made to order or if it's gonna be. If it's gonna be uh, just they'll be out of out of production for a while. Um, I mean, like GW maintains like like a couple thousand SKUs, which is a lot uh, yeah. for logistics and inventory purposes. So it makes sense. Um, and honestly, I think most people probably already have this guy. Uh, so I understand, and it'll be a really good. Uh, it'll be a good way to. You know, let them free up some logistical headroom uh, to to bring some some new stuff in. And once again, you can always get on the secondary market, uh, or you can convert your own. Yep, converting is one of my favorites. All right, so that's what I had for new releases. Uh, so for Meta Watch, uh, I guess it's some time to shine. Actually, uh, actually, if you want, uh, the Cherokee Open is currently in its uh, final ooh. hours right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. And about I went that. and I looked up the. So the currently the or the top placed Dark Angel player that I have been able to find, which I could be wrong. I was I was wrong about Charlie. This is last week or last month. I, I improperly stated that he was in the shadow round. That that was not true. So I need to I need to issue a correction on that. Fourteenth um, overall is outstanding, but it's not shadow round. So my bad. Um, but Mister Nick Morin uh, placed fifty is fifty third uh, out of I think one hundred and seventy. Which is okay. quite respectable. Uh, the uh, his placing, so he won the first two, lost the second two, won the last two. Uh, with so four wins, four hundred nine battle points. Um, his first two wins were an eighty seven and a ninety nine, right? And his his uh, fourth round or correction, his third round was twenty. He got a twenty, uh, and that third round was against Mister Scott Ferguson. Uh, with familiar. a with cut with custodes, right? Just look at that list real quick. Uh, this looks to be the emperor's chosen. Uh, a bunch of Alaris, a bunch of Virtus Praetors, uh, and a couple of prosecutors for Shields of Silence. But so yeah, so that's that's what happened there. Uh, but his list is 
mixed Deathwing and Ravenwing. So I have a Deathwing Vanguard attachment with Azrael, who's the Warlord. Okay. And then two Deathwing Command Squads, Thunderhammer Storm Shield. And then five Deathwing Knights. Okay. Always like to see the Deathwing Knights. And then a Deathwing Terminator Squad with two Storm Shields, uh, a Chain Fist, and two sets of Lightning Claws. And then five Relic Terminators with Combi Bolters and Lightning Claws. There they right, are. So that's the first attachment. So Obsec, Obsec Terminators and Deathwing Knights, which are a which are a mean damage output. Uh, if you want to know how to play those, once again, go back and listen to the last episode yep. we have with Charlie. You will be you will be enlightened from from the strategium that he provides. Uh, all right. So the second attachment is an Outrider detachment. So this is a Ravenwing Outrider detachment. So I've got two Talon Masters, one of which has Rites of War, one of which has the Arbiter's Gaze. Then I've got the Ravenwing Apothecary, not a Chief Apothecary, just an Apothecary Apothecary. That saves you 30-something points and a CP. And two squads of Multi-Melta Attack Bites. Then a squad of uh, bikes, just regular bikes. So three Chain Swords, and the Sergeant has a Chain Sword. And then another squad of bikes with chain swords. So these are two squads of four bikes. Uh, I w- so I, I, this is a hundred and twenty point unit. So it's got There's no attack bike in it either. No, no attack bike in it. Uh, just you know a chain sword. So four, basically four guys with chain swords and four twin bolt guns. Uh, they're going to be good at moving up and doing move blocking. Four is a little too low to probably be reliable enough to t- uh, count on getting Nachman data with it. But you can give it a shot. But they're definitely obsec. And they'll sit on your backfield and, and hold an objective for sure. Uh, there, So, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of obsec, a lot of sneaky obsec. And yep. a lot of stuff that's hard to kill in those Deathwing Knights. Um, I, can, I can, once again, I, I don't play at this level of the game. But I think I can see why he would have an issue with that custodes list. That's all. That's all those just Alaris Terminators because there's no yeah, there's, there's no, no range. There's not really a lot of range shooting in here other than those two multi multi attack bikes. Um, and when you set up with the multi multi attack bikes, the custodes have a lot of ways to mitigate damage, yep. which is really frustrating. So yep. uh, there are ways to get around that with uh, with Dark Angels. So like they they have a, the custodes have a stratagem that lets you or that makes you they, they ignore your rerolls right so you, so if they use emperor's auspice you don't get rerolls against that unit ouch which is yeah which is bad uh, and they have a transhuman stratagem uh, which works on bikes and infantry uh, and they have if they're shadow keepers they have a minus one strength for shooting attack stratagem so all those things combined and you can really shoot into a trap. Uh, that is that is their those bikes. Um, so uh, the Dark Angels Green Wing has has some tools to help fix that. Uh, and and so if you have a bunch of plasma, if you stand still, you get plus one to hit. That kind of negates the need for rerolls. So yeah. Emperor's Auspice isn't as impactful, but they're going to transhuman against it. So okay, you just got to take that into factor. And being able to pump something up to four damage, like a Macroplasma Incinerator on a Redemptor, or your uh, Ravenwing uh, Landspeeder Vengeance, yep. getting up to four plasma damage battery. is a really, really good way to... Yeah, Plasma Battery is a really good way to hurt Alaris Terminators. So, 
Yeah. Um, this this list, I think he just said, I don't know what his plan was for custodes, uh, but it, it apparently did not work. So, Mr. Morin, if you happen to listen to the podcast, please let us know. I'd uh, love to hear love to hear about your experience. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have you on. All right. So, have you ever played uh, a Highlander format before, Heath? I have, but it's been a number of years. I think like, we talked... Probably 15. <laughs> so, oh, I think we talked about it on a, po- a on podcast last year, because I went and did the same event last we did. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely changed up the list. And okay. the, this month's hobby track helped, or hobby project helped, because the Terminators I needed, I got them done. So, oops, there's a little bit of a giveaway, but I needed them for this event. Uh, this is the first time I've played any sort of ninth edition game where all my models were painted to satisfaction, where I actually got the 10 points for being painted. So, well, that's good. That was exciting okay. on the hobby side. Uh, we are going to do something kind of fun here. We're going to jump into Tabletop Simulator, I think, here. Yeah. And take a look at this list. Uh, so, here is the list I got here. I'll take a look at it. So, uh, my warlord was this chaplain guy here. As I ran him as the interrogator chaplain. He was the master of sanctity. He had the Teeth of Terra, he had Paragon of the Chapter, so he had Emperor's Sword and Watched, because I expected to see Thousand Suns and Grey Knights and a few Eldar players mm-hmm. like getting prepped for the book to come out. So I just wanted to have that kind of stuff in the back pocket, or if somebody tried to Knowles on me, because the last time I went to this ev- an event up in Knox at Borpal Gaming, somebody gave me the Knowles on hammer, and I really didn't like it, and I wanted to be prepared for it. He Especially with all these Terminators I'm looking at. Yeah, Null Zone's something you need to you need to be prepared against. Yeah. And then if you move your bikes, right, yep. they all get... Uh, they have Jinx, so they turn the Null Zone off on those. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't want that either. Uh, so, what else is... Uh, oh, the prayers. He had the Litany of Hate, so he had the rerolls in combat. Gave him the Canticle of Hate, so he had plus two to charge. And most importantly, and this is what I got from Charlie, most importantly the additional inches to consolidate and pile in and i did take mantra of strength but i never used it because i was using the other two too much so i instead of trying to play hero hammer uh, i tried to play tactical strategy hammer and it i was very impressed so i'm going to start doing that a lot more going into the future then i had a talon master that uh, had rights of war and arbiter's gaze since i only had one because it's highlander you can only have zero to one of anything or any one data sheet unless troops, it's right. troops or dedicated transport. Yeah. So I, that's why I have two incursor squads over here to go with my infiltrators. So one incursor, two incursor, and then min squad of infiltrators. Uh, so he, I had to only I only could bring one talent master. So I had to soup him up with everything, which ended up being kind of a pain, which I'll get into. Then a chief apothecary on bike uh, with the selfless healer, so I could bring people back. Then full attack bike squad with multi meltas. Then to try and get another squad, another attack bike, I ran the full squad of regular bikes, uh, and I would combat squad them. So like these three would deploy separately, and I'd put the sergeant on. in this squad. So I thought so regular bikes they go to like eight, not six. Oh well, 
I had the points and the models to do six. So it, okay. That's how, that's how it worked out for me. Uh, so maybe it wasn't full squad. I have old information, but that's I ran two three mans, and I had a tech bike, then two normal bikes, and the sergeant and two bikes, and then they all had chain swords, so that way they'd have more attacks, because so, I... Mm-hmm. You don't need a bolt pistol. They have bolters already. You want to get yeah. those extra attacks in combat and the minus one AP. Absolutely. I completely the, agree. Yeah. And then in the Terminator squads, I followed uh, Andre's bit. I ran the, as well, I ran three Terminator guys with Thunder Hammers and Storm Shields, including the Sergeant, and then two Lightning Claws. And then these were the Assault Terminator sheets, so they had the Teleport Homer. I paid for that. And then I had a regular squad with the Cyclone Missile Launcher, uh, then just standard Power Fist and Storm Bolter. Sergeant had the power sword. They were also had a teleport homer. Uh, okay. And then I just I had to get them out. This is such an off yeah, yeah. tournament. I thought you know I can I can pay the premium for Deathwing Knights. I love them. I have a bunch of customized models that I can't show because I'm using TTS. But I have some fun ones where I did head swaps and things, and I just wanted to play with them, so I did. And finally, plasma inceptors. These were you got to have crowd control. Yeah. The got to have crowd control. And yep. And I needed them, uh, definitely needed them in the round two matchup. So I'm going to uh, pop back real quick so I can take a look at my notes. Okay. Because I, I try to take good notes this time around. And if you want to see like sort of the play-by-play on some of this, I did post pictures and deployment pictures and endgame pictures on the Dankless Wargaming Facebook page. So you can go take a look at that if you really want. All right, cool. So uh, round one, it was the scouring mission. And I was playing a Drukari Eldar list. Uh, so it was really goofy because they weren't playing Yunari. It was just an Eldar. So, so just like one detachment of, El- of Craft World and a detachment yeah. of Drukari. Yeah. So what was more? Was it more more Drukari, I assume, and then like Craft World for fire support with like fire Most... prisms or, or support batteries? Yeah, there were the support batteries, Dire Avengers and Wave Serpents, two of those. A Wraith Seer, a Spirit Seer, a Far Seer. Warp Spiders, uh, Squad Banshees, okay. Incubi in the Little Venom, Witches yep. in a Succubus in the Raider. And he reserved or deep struck the Raider and the Wave Serpent with. Hmm. So he had some Dire Avengers in Deep Strike in the Wave Serpent, and then he had some Witches in a Succubus and a Raider in Deep Strike that he was going to try and pop in on me. What weapons did he take on the support batteries? Were they the uh, the D cannons for the indirect fire, or like yes, yeah, the, the vibro cannons? Yep. D- yeah, D cannons. Yep. <laughs> D cannons are so- D cannons are terrifying. Okay. All right. And so, what, what objectives did you take? So, I took uh, the receive Nakmoon data, oaths of the moment, and engage in all fronts. Okay. And uh, the key to this, to I can remember, see this list doing well on that. Uh, is that this game only went to turn three? So I was playing Rich, who's the guy I played the ATC tournament with. He was with the Eldar teammate I had, and mm-hmm. you know we were just kind of hanging out, and I didn't feel like we were wasting time. It's just it took time, and there was you know when fighting happened, there was a lot of dice getting thrown, so that was part of it. Uh, to me, some of the big key moments of this game is uh, turn two. He ran his incubator. He made he overcommitted in my opinion, and and opened a gap for me that I think he should have just done one of these two things instead of both. Uh, on turn two, he charged my his Incubi into my Deathwing guys, 
And okay. then he charged his witches. They came in on a deep strike on a, one of my flanks, and they tried to attack my combated squatted bike squad that had the attack bike in it. And he got them both off. And then he chose to use the Incubi to fight first. And okay. He yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, he killed one of the Terminators and wounded another one. Then and then you interrupt. Fought <laughs> and the witches, the, and the witches, ran away. And then he decided to pile in and consolidate the witches towards the closest enemy unit, which were my incursors behind line of sight blocking terrain. And because he didn't declare them as a charge target, he didn't actually get to fight them. But they got mm-hmm. to fight him. And, yep. and they threw a yeah, lot of Yeah, I dice. see where you're going. Yeah. And then on my Incursors turn, are really to, good for that. And then it was my turn, and I was still in tactical, so I used fire discipline for once and shot most of the rest of the witches and then knifed them at the end. And, uh, and then the Incubi, I went back to the Deathwing Terminators, and they picked up all the Incubi and then moved six inches on the Consolidate because I'd gotten my prayers off previously mm-hmm. and moved into the middle of the board so I could start scoring oaths. Yeah, I think that's one of the that's a common trap is like if you're with with Dart with Eldar is <clears throat> if you're going to charge multiple units then you need to make sure that you know, like the, the order in which they activate is very important because witches are not going to witches have a hard time surviving getting hit first. Uh, even though they have a four pinball save, they're toughest three. Uh, so, yeah, Incubi, like, I definitely see why he's going against the Terminators first, because Terminators are going to shred Incubi. With tough, with one with one wound and Toughness 3, they just don't have the, they don't have the ability to survive fighting, fighting Terminators. But, so yeah, so you basically neutered his close combat power and picked up, well, I guess he's got Banshees, but still, like, he's going to rely on, on those Incubi to do a lot of work, right? So, well, and I think, where did the Banshees, Banshees came in too. I think they charged the Terminators. They charged me turn one, and I don't remember how I killed them. But that was where I got to. I had I killed them with one unit, but they were in combat with several. So when the other units got to activate, I just got to move twelve because I had mm. the, the additional three inches of piling and consolidate. So I just like moved twelve inches with Terminators in one phase and went. That felt dirty. Hey, but it was amazing, and I was like, "This is what Charlie was telling us. This is amazing. Why would yeah. I never do ever not do this ever again?" This, oh, yeah, I it's, was, it's it was, super I was good about it. Yeah, and yeah, that's yes. I. Towards the end of Eighth Edition, I was you know like after our 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 supplement and ritual that damned, and we had we had priests, and I would do that with Deathwing Terminators, and like, all right, plus three to pile in, plus three to consolidate. My Deathwing Terminators are going to touch everything. And yeah. you were gonna, by God, you're gonna know that you've been knocked. <laughs> so, um, do, were were you able to use the Ravenwing Apothecary to bring a guy back and yeah, heal him up? So and... when you when you bring a guy back, he doesn't have to come back where he was. He comes right. back in coherency, which means within two inches. So you put one millimeter of his base within two inches, and the other and, and the model closer to where you want to go. So effectively, you're giving yourself you're like one point nine inches plus the width of that forty millimeter base. Which is another like inch and a half. So you basically you get three and a half inches of free movement by resurrecting a model. So honestly, killing one Terminator is like the worst thing you can do. 
because you're basically giving them plus four inches on their charge that will stack with whatever other bonuses to charge they get. So, yeah. And that works really well with Deathwing Terminators. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they're so hard to kill. But, yeah. So, uh, and and then I guess one of the other big ones is that I was able to, because he only had one squad of dudes on the board, Dire Avengers on the board, screening his characters. He had an Azurman, too. So he had Azurman and the Farseer and the Spirit Seer. Um, mm-hmm. So I managed to use the bikes on the other side to kind of clear out with their bolters, the Dire Avengers, which then I opened up the Meltas and the later because uh, later, the Meltas, I think they shot one of his tanks and then the second turn they were able to start targeting characters and my Talon Master was able to fly in because he had had an angle and there weren't guide, enough models there to screen for them anymore and he popped yeah. in and just started unloading assault cannons and heavy bolters into Eldar characters and and there was a there was the sort of in the last turn what if we continued on it was going to be a blowout was where I managed to get Deathwing Terminators my apothecary with the reliquary of the repentant I I did have that on on him as well mm-hmm. and the Talon Master all, like just they all landed on top of the the Farseer and Azurman and the last couple of models he had in that area of the board and I just he, he picked them all up and. I'm, At that point, he had uh, he had his race seer still. He had a raider with a succubus and some of his support vehicle or his support cannons. And I had most of my army, and I was just going to run around and kill him. I'm glad you brought up the reliquary of the repentant. I think I think it is a the the way the meta has changed in the last month or so since Custodes came out and with Eldar coming out next week. The reliquary of the repentant is more is more important than it's ever been. Uh, yeah. Debuffing four up saves to five ups. Used to be you didn't see a lot of four up saves unless it was like someone was running around with storm shields, but now custodes huge in the meta, they're everywhere. Uh, Eldar, you know, that avatar, people are going to take that freaking avatar. Phoenix Lords, well, uh, there's a lot of four up on them and give them, and give they're going to cast protect up. on them. So the fact that you can have that guy that doesn't need to cast, can't be interacted with, it's just you get within three inches of me and you lose and you're, you're down to a five. That's it's going to be, it's going to be something that you want to do. So. It's a it's an important tool. It is an important tool for us. All right, so that okay. made it. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, were you how were you able to score engage with the terminators, or were you or did you do the bikes with that? I used the bikes to do that, uh, but by the by the end of turn three, I had enough stuff in three quarters that I, I was getting little engage every turn, and I had enough stuff okay. in every area that it was it was just going to be that way the rest of the game. Okay. Uh, right. And uh, so that ended up being forty nine forty one. The funny thing here is, is I thought it was a tie when I started adding up the score, and then I forgot because I, I forgot to put my primary score in from turn two. So I ended up winning by eight, and I was like, "Oh, I feel dumb. I can't math." Yeah, maths. <laughs> okay, math well, hard. good, good on you. Appreciate it. Good that. on you. That's a tough. That's a, that's that can be a tough matchup. So uh, then went into round two, which is sacred sacred sanctuaries. Now this was against a Necron player. Uh, this I thought was going to be brutal, so I got really mad at Chris is the TO, and I got fake mad at Chris because I looked at the rules for sacred sanctuaries. Uh, you're not allowed to do any pregame moves, and you're not allowed to deploy infiltrators of any kind in this mission. Anybody, so there was hmm. no forward deploying yep. with all my phobos. There was no hunting with uh, bikes, <laughs> and I was like, "Are you kidding me? My army is completely not cool now." Uh, and then this guy's Necron list was like 50 warriors, which I was like, ooh, that's not cool. That's scary. Uh, he had the Void Dragon, 
Doom Scythe, Doomsday Arc, and then he had he had various characters supporting them and some Scorpec destroyers. One thing to remember about Void Dragon is even though he's a character with less than nine wounds, Void Dragon specifically has a rule all the Catan shards do that you can target them. Like Lookout Sir does not apply to them, so that's oh, very important to remember. Yeah. That is very important to remember about those Catan shards because you got to start chunking wounds off them early yep. uh, if you're going to have any chance. Especially if you don't have a psychic phase. Uh, yep. Unless you have a psychic phase, there's no way you can kill one in one turn. It's just not possible. But between a... Like, if they charge you, you do three wounds, and then your turn, you do three wounds in the shooting phase, three wounds in the assault phase, you can... Or fight phase. Then it's definitely doable. Right. Uh, so oh, um, took- but about... but it, well, Sorry, but about No Man's Land... The usual Necron build is everything is obsec and everything gets a six inch pregame move, so that kind of hoses them too. So they yeah. can't move; they you know they can't move out into the into the center of the board on turn one either. But yeah, and that was the thing because I built I took secondaries to just give him the middle of the board because this is one where if you sit in the middle of the board, you get a bunch of primary points mm-hmm. and that new secondary primary objective. Uh, yeah. And I just kind of looked at this and went, you know, because the way the train was. Um, you couldn't sit on one objective and see any other objective without having to move. Like It was a lot of line-of-sight blocking terrain, so you had to really move. So I thought, well, I'll just give him the middle of the board. It was kind of open. Let him score those, and I'm just going to go hide on the corners and get points that way. So I took Stubborn Defiance, which this is this is was risky and because the obsec came from the talon master and all you had to do was get more obsec bodies when he has 50 warriors on top of my objective and then yeah. and things don't happen and then my talon master really couldn't go anywhere because he had to be next to the deathwing knights for the guys i picked so that way i could actually score this objective um and i'll get into how that worked out in a minute uh took knock moon again and then i took to the last which was my bike squad the bigger bike squad with the one attack bike the deathwing knights and then interestingly the Terminator squad with the Cyclone Missile Launcher and not the close combat one because you lose the points reduction for having the Lightning Clauses so much compared to like a regular Terminator. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I like I like the choice of putting the Deathwing Knights as your stubborn defiance objective. Uh, it's counterintuitive because you think, man, these guys got to be up front knocking heads in. But in this case, I think that if you had picked uh, your, your Infiltrators or your Incursors to be it, then that Doom Scythe and the Doomsday Arc would have just aced him. Yeah. So I think I think that's a good I think that's a good call, especially because like, hey, you have to interact with Deathwing Knights. Best of luck with that. Yeah. Or this Talonmaster, who's a character. Best of luck with that. So and if you pick back, like if you can prevent him from getting to you, yeah. then yeah, there's no guarantee he's gonna be able to get all those warriors to you. Yeah. Um, I assume you had a Veil of Darkness. He did. But if you deploy your infiltrators and your curses right, you can screen them out. So, yep. no worries. Yep. And then the fun thing here is I put the uh, bikes, the attack bike squad in strategic reserve. And this is... So Chris has been on me about being super aggressive with my bikes, getting them all killed in one turn. Uh, I have the same problem. Uh, <laughs> I 100% so, have the same problem. So, this is a, <laughs> so, boys and girls in the Dark Angels community, this was probably my favorite play of the whole tournament. And I think it's what won me the game because there, mm-hmm. there's this, and then my assault terminator squad. I think did two things that won me the game because it my, it scared the living daylights out of this guy. He was a very new player, and I think if he he didn't understand the matchup as well as I thought he did, and I was able to scare him with these two plays here that kept him away. Like those warriors didn't get to the middle of the board until turn four. The satan did oh, not wow. move into the middle of the board until turn four. 
That's a big misplay. Yeah. yeah he was he was yeah, very, the, the... very, very scared uh, of my army when I didn't think he should have been. And um, you know, this is one of those things where, like, he was asking me questions. I'm like, well, you know, you can do this and you can do that. Uh, I, I, but I wasn't like, hey, man, move your army forward and kill me. Like, you have 20 guys with 40 shots. You'll just you – know, those will pick up the Terminators if you try hard enough. But – yeah. Um, yeah, so, the uh, the killing power in Necrons is in those warriors and those yeah. strength five AP two assault two guns. Uh, yeah. It's really yeah, especially did he, did he have a Chronomancer to give him a five up and save? Yeah, he had one of those somewhere. He had he had a Chronomancer yeah. of some kind and a Royal Warden and an Overlord and he had a, some sort of special item on the Chronomancer that let him zap me from really far. It was like a, a super cannon kind of thing, but there was only one shot. Yeah, I don't remember what that's called. It's a relic. There's a relic like staff of light or something that does that. Yeah. I, so so yeah, like hmm. I also don't know if he understood that he could shoot all the guns on his doomsday arc because he kept using this like twenty gun shot profile. But as I now that I think about it, he you know, those are the side guns, but he has a big those gun. Those the flare arrays, right? yeah. Yeah, there's so that thing's got the big like big yeah, penis the big, cannon like, on it. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Pick up your toys and no fun for you gun. Yeah. The F around and find out gun. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um uh so yeah no it's it's uh i mean it could be did he maybe he played the previous edition where, where you basically had to pick what gun you shot but yeah yeah or or he just didn't have a or he just didn't have a, a, a viable target for it well right and then another so. thing too i think also he asked me some other questions about like how do you rule this how do you rule that i guess in his friends community sometimes uh you know they kind of play a certain way and if you're not on top of what people call things like this train is this and this is that you know, we're not playing the building. We're playing the for, the the, the uh, footprint. Like, if you don't mm, yeah. start the game yeah. and say this is how we're playing, you'll find out that based on convenience, the rules will change in the game. And so, Oof. I think that's where maybe you know maybe someone hasn't bothered to tell him in his community that that's how that worked. And I didn't realize, ladies that and gentlemen, now that was probably because I was like that thing shot at me. Follow the procedure. Yeah, <laughs> yep. the procedure requires you to define. The terrain yep. before the, with keywords before the game begins. Follow the procedure. Um, but the, the the big plays uh, were I had those spikes in reserve. The Doom Scythe came up. It shot at something. I don't remember what was over there. Uh, I think I shot at some of my bikes and killed one of them. And so on my turn, I moved the bikes back, moved my Talon Master over there where I could see it pop targeting guidance so I got plus one to hit against it mm-hmm. um, and, but before I did that because that's a shooting phase action I used to the strategic reserves rule where you can come in within one inch of your own board edge and be within nine inches of an enemy model and just slap the bikes right on the board edge um, behind okay. a piece of terrain where they couldn't be seen by the doomsday arc but they could see the doom scythe and just lit hmm. it up and then just lit it up like that was it like they died. Uh, yeah. And, and that's one those, of those where, like, I Necron airplanes are not hard to kill. To make sure the, uh, you know, the Talon Master could get over there and still give obsec to the to the Deathwing Knights and still see the Doom Scythe and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but that worked out nice. And then he had to, you know, he couldn't just point and click the bikes because they were behind terrain with his Doom Scythe or his uh, Ghost Arc. Uh, and then he did charge me early on with his Scorpec destroyers into the, the Assault Terminator squad because I I was screening the the Deathwing Knights I had a I had a piece of train in front of the objective that was line of sight blocking and then I had the Assault Terminators in front 
characters behind it, Deathwing Knights behind that, and then I was using Incursors and Infiltrators to screen off the rest of it. In fact, I don't think he ever used his Veil of Darkness. We went five turns, unlike the previous game, and he never used his Veil of Darkness because he's like, there's nowhere to go. And I'm like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, but those Scorpex, they got into the, into the Terminators, and because they charged me, right, I get plus one to hit. So I was mm-hmm. ignoring the minus one hit with the Thunder Hammers, and I had full re-rolls because I would have been praying every turn off of uh, Broham. Your Chaplain, yeah. And yeah. I just hammered him, and they all died, and he just kind of went, oh! <laughs> and, like, nothing got within <laughs> 12 inches of them until, like, the very end of the game because in this one, oh. if you hold the center objective at the end of the game, it's worth five points for primary. And right at the end, I was like, all right, I'll make a play to try and sit in the middle of the board just to see if I can deny him it. It didn't work. My characters died. My uh, plasma inceptors died. My ter- you know one squad of terminators died. Part of that is because I failed some charges. Oh, I failed the prayer of plus two to charge that last turn. So like my Deathwing Knights didn't make it to the middle of the board. Only the Assault Intercessors, the Chaplain, and the Plasma Inceptors made it. And mm-hmm. so he just walked warriors out of buildings. Because I was like, all right, at this point... Because we're getting towards the end of time, and he's like, well, what, what, what can he ask me? He's like, well, what can I do here to get the most amount of points? Because he's like, I don't think I can get engaged now or knock mooned because there's nowhere to put my this one table quarter I need. I can't put warriors there because you've screened it out with all of your dudes. And I was like, here's the deal. You kill all these guys. You, do, you don't even have to kill all these guys. You just have to kill the things that are obsec, which I think it might have been some incursors, and you know, blow up the Talon Master and then tag the objective with one warrior and it's yours and you score all these points and that's pretty much all you have to do so we just kind of fast played his turn five because it's like he there really wasn't anything else to do so he so he went second so he Uh, had the he had the end of game scoring yes okay so i think one of the things to point out there that's very important to understand about the way stubborn defiance works is it is you know, a objective pick an objective and that must objective must be continuously held by an by an obsec unit uh and it's tally it's tally based on the number of consecutive command phases you hold it so one you have to hold it in your first command phase even though you don't yeah. score it in your first command phase Correct. two it doesn't have to be the same unit so yes you're you're making your deathway knights obsec to hold it and then when they need to move out you can move those in, those incursors in you know, now that the the threat to them from the Doom Scythe has been has been neutralized, you just move in there, hold it with something else, and then your Deathwing Knights can can move out and do their thing. So that is a a, a good valid tactic for stubborn defiance. Yeah. Uh, and so this ended up being like a ninety seven to eighty three win for me. Uh, and it's basically because we both kind of looked at each other and went, "We don't actually have to kill each other to score a bunch of points." Because he was sitting on two objectives that I couldn't really see him, and he couldn't, we couldn't really see each other. We both just sat on two objectives most of the game, and you mm-hmm. know, knock mooned where we could. And basically, the last two turns, a bunch of stuff happened, and I just had a lot of points. Uh, so that was that was yeah. fun. And that guy's name was David. I think he ended up winning uh, like best best uh, opponent. Like he was a really cool, dude. Oh, good for uh, him, yeah. And uh, so that was, we had a lot of fun, and we went over. There's a, a restaurant and bar next door, so I went over and bought him a beer because I was like, "Dude, you're pretty sweet." And you I, you I, did say the after party went till one thirty in the morning, so yeah, yep, <laughs> there was some of that. Uh, yeah, I was up late uh, watching Jesus Christ Superstar videos because 
There was a point in the night you, where we started <laughs> talking about musicals. <laughs> you, you do you, man. Uh, all right. So round. So while I was at the bar with David, we were looking at our round three matchup, and I looked at it and went, "I'm just dead," because I've played this matchup a lot, and there really isn't anything I can do about this. This is just the hard counter. I lose. Uh, so I was playing this guy named Mike, and Mike's, I think, a pretty good Dark Angels player. Uh, he comes to the store a lot. He's on the Rising Tide gaming team, so they went out to the ATC tournament in Las Vegas. He went to LVO, was apparently the only Blood Angels player at LVO, at least from what he saw. Uh, and he actually called out the guy Can't that be. was playing. Like, the number one Blood Angels player in the world last year was at LVO playing Drukari. And so he, like, walked up to him and was like, bro, you have betrayed your brothers. I challenge you round <laughs> one. And then just got slapped. <laughs> uh, but well, like, okay. I felt like I had to do it for the brethren. Yeah. Uh, so I have a lot, of, a lot of respect for this guy, and I looked at his list, and it was Combat Squad, uh, Vanguard Vets with She Storm Shields and Lightning Claws. He had Death Company with Thunder Hammers. He had a big blob of Sanguinary Guard, a Redemptor, Chaplain on Bike, Primary Chaplain on Bike with all the defensive buffs, like the Armor and Domitus and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Sanguinary Ancient with stuff to make his guys move faster and charge better. Uh, Sanguinary Priest with a Jump Pack. Big blob of blade guard, incursors, infiltrators. Uh, he, he also does the silly thing with the the storm uh, land speeder storm, where he just has one, not no scouts to go in it, just the one land speeder that can fly over things and score engage for him. He did ha- he had that. It's a, that's a cool piece of tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's one of the first people I saw use it pretty regularly, and like he's uh, he's also one of the only people I've ever seen use. Uh, the little uh, gut, Primaris gun turrets with the Tech Marine. Oh, the fire strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was interested in those in the previous edition of the Dark Angel Special Rules, like yep. when they had extended range and yep. stuff, but not so much anymore. No. Yep. Oh well. Same. Uh, so in this one, this is the one where you have the center cut out of the middle, where you play the two tape, you deploy the two table quarters. The mission was death and zeal, and you got points for mm-hmm. taking an objective you didn't control the turn before. Or killing an enemy unit within range of an objective, and you had the big deep deployment zones because it's the table quarter with the circle, the half circle or whatever yeah. cut out of it. Uh, that one. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, I deployed like way back on my objective, like behind my objective with most of my army. Um, I, I, I'm I, willing to bet. I'm willing to bet if I may that that wasn't far enough back. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> you just got like they're gonna the death company or like they're gonna forlorn for you and they are going to get to you yeah there's just no, there's nothing you can yeah, do about yeah, it cause yeah because mike got to go first i kind of deployed to go first to try and get a jump on him so like i put infiltrators in one table quarter and i put him out early because i knew he had infiltrators and incursors and i was and whenever i see that matchup i always like to put mine out as soon as possible so i can try and force and be like this is my part you have to go over there and then try and kind of push him in because i knew if i didn't there was potential for him to just go, here are all my scouts, Phobos guys, on the line, and they're going to rush yeah, you. And by and the time you're done dealing with them, all my other stuff gets to you unscathed. And I'm like, well, I need to at least it's try it, and create something it's a, as a roadblock. It's important in that matchup especially because the de- the uh, the Forlorn Fury Death Company, I don't think they're allowed to move within nine inches of you on that pregame move. Yeah. So you can, like, boop, and you can, you can create a buffer. Um and, and and hunting your bikes can also do the same thing, but yeah. Well, and this is where I took secondaries because I just didn't know what to do because I was like, "There's they're gonna he's gonna jump on me and I'm just gonna die," 
and so uh, I was kind of, kind of doesn't matter. And this I kind of played aggressively, hoping to go first so I could get because I took Knock Moon, Engage on All Fronts, and Death on the Wind. And I was like hoping, hey, if I take, if I get to go first and I have Engage, I'm at least gonna get it that first turn and Knock Moon whatever table the table quarter with the Infiltrators, and hopefully. You know, that gives me a little bit of a head start on points, and I can maybe build on that. But then I didn't get to go first, so it was literally just a springboard for all this jump pack units. And Yeah, it uh, engages it a just, tough choice in that matchup. Because yeah. you're like, he's going to be on top of you, and the whole game... I, I've played this matchup yeah. as Drakari, and, you know, he's like... And I'm like... We spend the first three turns, like, in my deployment zone, like, me killing him away from me. Yeah. And then trying to, you know... Yeah, it, it's... It's hard to push. You you've got to you've got to push back real hard. I mean, I I think that the that the dark angels have the tools against that because those you know charging into your death wing with their plus one to wound just doesn't matter. It just yeah. doesn't matter. So a couple like if you know having the little shield wall of blade guard or knights or death wing, yeah. you can stop a lot of it, especially if you have a, a pennant, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, he was, you, you he was, gotta. He was yeah. real smart because um, I did. I get that. I got that shield wall built, and I had some things here. Well, he had just enough guns from the sanguinary uh, guard because their bolt guns are good. That he started mm-hmm. shooting. Two damage he bolt guns. My yeah. characters, but he started shooting my small plasma squad and made a little tiny hole next to my characters that he could charge his smaller squad of vanguard vets into, and just completely jumped over yeah. the death wing. And I was like. Yeah, that's some smart stuff. Yep, that's... <laughs> now, luckily, I did have Reliquary of the Repentant there because uh, he jumped on top of my Apothecary, and I had a chance to interrupt him and kill some of them, but then they killed the Apothecary, and basically my army fell apart at that point because that's what happens when yeah. in this list. If you kill the Apothecary, the Deathwing Terminators don't come back, they don't heal, and you just start picking them yeah. up because you the thing see, I knew yeah. that was going to happen was that and though I was dreading was that he got multiple squads in at once. I mean, I did get get some of the heat off because the the ju- the jump pack guys outpaced his blade guard. So like the blade guard really didn't. I didn't have to deal with them because they just sat around and did actions and sat on objectives and things because uh, he couldn't really get to them, keep up. But mm-hmm. one squad of knights or the the terminator assault squad got vanguard vets, two squads of vanguard vets basically, and the sanguinary guard into them in one turn, and the chaplain. And just they they all got picked up because so many dice got thrown at me. It just it doesn't matter that I have transhuman. It doesn't matter that I ignore plus one to wound. When he's throwing a lot of high AP dice yeah. with a lot of damage behind it, and I didn't yep. have the penitent of remembrance. I just didn't have the points to get the. I also don't have a Terminator Ancient that's not like twenty five on a twenty five millimeter base with double lightning claws, which you can't run anymore. Uh, so I, I just because I was trying to get those ten points for painted so badly, I was like, I'm not running him. Uh, well, that would have been one where maybe I would have had a chance. Um, and then like this, this like, makes like, me think. This makes me think that uh, that if the apothecary is the linchpin of the list, maybe take the armor and dominus on the apothecary, um, yeah. and and find another way to get the reliquary. Um, because be like, all right, get it. You're on my apothecary. He's got a two up save and he's got a three up save. Yep, two up, three up, and vol. So, so all that. of a sudden, like, oh, I might not kill. I might not kill this guy. Um, and that does kind of go with what Charlie was saying. Is like the the apothecary is so important for this list yeah. that 
Yeah, that might be something I would think about. Or, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just thought of that. I'm going to consider it. Which is hmm. probably why Charlie ran the uh, Deathwing Apothecaries as opposed to running the bike one because the Deathwing ones have inherent invulns, period. Yeah. As opposed to... You can take... You can take storm shields on them, right? I think I'm you pretty sure you can give them a thorn, I, thunder hammer storm shield. You used to because I have a pewter one that's kitted out that way. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can be equipped however you want them to. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, and, that's a that's a tough that's a tough matchup. You're right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then and then turn one, and then when I did try and top out and shoot him, like I didn't kill all five blade guard or deathwing death company dudes because he came up, jumped on top of this building or this hill. And then when he went to charge me, he's like, oh, wait, I forgot I have to measure down and out. And so this charge that would have been in a previous edition of the game, like a 5-inch charge, turned into a 10-inch charge, so they didn't make it. And they were just sitting there. So, you know, I moved mm. stuff, and I try and get death on the win, and I kill him down to one guy because he just rolled sixes on his field no pains like crazy. So I don't kill him. Yeah. Um, my attack bike swung out because he moved his Redemptor out and shot the Redemptor. And did and I my, my damage dice rolls weren't high enough. I didn't kill him in one turn. And that slowed me down where, like, there were things I was like, I could have come out and got a bunch of dust on the wind and moved on and killed other targets, and it just didn't happen. It took me two turns to kill things that I was hoping to kill in one. And I, I think, I think that, I think Death on the Wind is kind of a trap unless you are full Ravenwing, like committed Ravenwing. Um, but that's just my opinion. Cause like I said, you've got to, you've got to kill things with the, there's a lot of restrictions on it. So. Yeah, because cause there was, like, the the problem with, like, because then I accidentally got some guys in some woods, and I'm like, crud, I have to be able to move 12 inches. And I was like, oh, wait, their bikes move 14, so I can still move 12 inches. But then I got to avoid hmm. his stuff and not be within an inch of him. And, like, I was just like, yeah, this is this is not good. But I, I needed something that wasn't stand somewhere so much because it's like I'm not going to be able to get out of my deployment zone. I have to, yeah, he's going to come to you. try and kill yeah. him. So that ended up being a 98-32 loss for me. That was pretty brutal. Uh, but... I didn't get tabled. It was close because basically I had the. I did deep every turn, game. I deep struck the shooty Terminator squad so that if I had the ability to come in and give him plus one to hit, plus one to wound, I could. Uh, mm-hmm. And in that game, he jumped me so forward that he left a, a hole in the back, and I dropped my Terminators in there and had them start doing knock wound and rolling less than a six, so that way I didn't mess it up. Uh, and I started scoring that in his two back table quarters. Um, because all there were back there were some infiltrators and they just ran away from me. Because this is also one of those missions where once you cap an objective, you don't have to stand there. You can just keep going. So yeah, he tagged me, moved, yeah. and just ran away from me. And I just let my terminators knock mooned, and that was all, that was all was left in my army at the end of that one. But I had a good time. Uh, Mike is a pretty cool dude and very knowledgeable ga- uh, player of the game, in, in my opinion. And uh, he ended up like fourth, I think, overall. Oh, so the top you'll you'll like this. So the top three of this. Tau, duh. Uh, and to be yeah, fair, uh, the guy that won has been mm-hmm. playing Tau the entire time. Like this entire Respect. edition. Respect. Respect. And, uh, yeah. and he's been playing Farsight Enclaves. I'm going to jump on you with all of my commander suits. And like he like was building punchy assault-based battlesuit commanders since like day one. Like he is like you know, a like, very hyper aggressive Tau player that like you go to play Tau and you're like, oh, there's going to be a gun line. There's a ball. And like, no, he just comes in right at you nope. you're like whoa yeah. back up buddy yeah that's how i would like to play i would be like yeah danger close danger close uh battle suits it yep. seems like it seems like a more dynamic way to play but uh then yeah. there was uh chaos demons with a bunch of greater demons and that guy's really cool. yeah like uh slanesh demons 
uh, mostly Nurgle, but there was a Keeper of Secrets. Okay. And a, and, a, okay. and a really beautifully painted uh, Greater Demon of Nurgle. Bellacor? And a was Bellacor. there a Bellacor? There was a Bellacor. He was also Of course famous. there's a Bellacor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then this is the best one. This was the best list of the whole tournament, right? This goofy format. This guy realized that there are two Orc Stompa data sheets. So his list Bold was move, sir. two <laughs> Bold move, Stompas, sir. a Gorkonaut, <laughs> uh, the Death Killer War Trike guy, and maybe some Grots. And that was his 2,000 point list. I. <laughs> And he got third You're place. You're a champion. With two wins You're and a draw. Champion. I was You're like, a champion. This is amazing. <laughs> a champion, sir. So that okay. was that was fun. I ended up like eight out of <laughs> at two and one, I ended up at eight out of like twenty. So I felt that was respectful. Not bad, not bad. Hey, top half. Like I said, I mean, I, it's it's good to see that, hey, you know, take some of the stuff that we've learned. We get we get a chance yep. to interact with, you know, some of the top players in the world and try and start putting that stuff into action. So um yeah. No, I, I our game store here in Honolulu is opening back up for play starting basically this week. Uh, so I'm going to go play this week. And I don't know if we have enough time to do 2K games because they have their their opening hours are still kind of short because yeah. uh, of the Rona. But we're starting to get there. Um, and there are tournaments starting to come back in. Like I couldn't, we had a tournament last yesterday. I couldn't play because I had a D&D game scheduled. There's one next week. But I'm not going to be able to play because we have a recording scheduled with an upcoming very special guest. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. Very oh, yeah. special guest. Uh, we have scheduled for next next Sunday, uh, one week from today. But, so I'm not going to be able to do that, but that's cool. But once again, we're, we're getting there. So it's coming back. Speaking of videos, that reminds me. I did do a lot of recording. I did some recording at this. So there will be a video, uh, sort of like if you've seen some of my earlier War Diaries videos from a year or two ago when I've first started mm-hmm. the channel i did some of that kind of footage so you'll get to meet david and mike and rich who are my opponents get a look at their armies actually look at my physical army like what it actually looks like not the tts version and see some of the terrain tables and things like that so you'll get a chance to meet some of these people and see how see how much fun it is to go play tournaments because that's part of this is like people have this idea that like tournament players are these weird mean people and it's like no like these guys were great it was a lot of fun and it's it's tournaments are especially if you're with the one I went to, stuff at Chris's, there's such a focus on hobby and sportsmanship that it really is about the celebration of the hobby as a whole. It's not just about winning. And uh, and you and I, that's what the feel that I like is he does like a raffle. There's like a door prize raffle every round. So even if you don't win, you can still win a cool prize. Uh, and then he does give store credit awards out for best sportsman and best painter um, in addition nice. to giving out Very prizes cool. for first, second, third. So he, he, does, he tries really hard to give you an experience when you come that like you may go go and go because i remember one time this guy went to one of his tournaments went oh and three and walked out with an indominus box back when you couldn't get one like nice. it was right when that nice. came out yeah. like that was that was the third round prize support was raffle was like you're just gonna walk away with indominus have fun so cool. like it was uh it was pretty sweet well speaking of smaller points uh let's take a look at our featured segment here we're gonna jump back into uh, tts here okay um and i'm gonna zip over and take a look at uh, I, I know I'm kind of going okay. on here, but since you said smaller well, points, I figured this was probably the better place to start. Uh, so the let me just let me just introduce this here. So the yeah. the the premise is okay. Well, what do you do for a new player just starting either this faction or the game? And we talked to Charlie last week, and he said he actually recommends staying away from Terminators, right? Which is you know kind of the predominant high level play. Uh, so we took that and said, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like 
if someone's starting to listen to the show, maybe starting to the hobby because they like the way the models look, how would you recommend starting the faction? So Bailey made a thousand point list. I made a 2000 point list about what we think a good beginner list would be. Now, once again, this is a beginner list. This isn't cutting edge competitive, uh, but it's just something, these are models you should have that will exemplify some of the tactics uh, and the hobby aspects of, of the faction. So what do you got for a thousand points? Right. So keeping in mind that this beginner faction, I also tried to build things with models I know I can easily get my hands on too. So that's what some of this is. That's a good point. Yeah. It starts out with Azrael. Uh, he can sometimes be hard to find. I, I say all that, and like sometimes he's hard to find. But the the center to everything in Dark Angels, especially Green Wing lists, it all centers around Ezreal. He has the Chapter Master rerolls. He can put things back at Doctrine, which matters in a Green Wing list because once you get to the Assault Doctrine, that means he can push guys back into tactical the whole game. And if you're running rapid fire and assault weapons on, say, mm-hmm. uh, your intercessors, your Hell Blasters. What are these? Oh, these are my soul intercessions. No, nah, don't worry about them. We don't use them. But basically, these things here, and I think I had rapid fire weapons on these guys too. I took the or the assault weapon profile, not the heavy weapon profile. Yes, yeah, the belt of rifles. So the three, the three, the three, the three shot uh, hell blasters, not the not the two shot hell blasters. Uh, I think I'm a list. Assault I put, I think they're all free to go. They're all, they're all free. Now. It doesn't matter points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I ha- I have the rapid fire ones. Um, so you can interchange. So I, I think on the list I actually wrote them as rapid fire. But yeah, the assault you can run them as the assault ones. It, it, it matters that it's the assault or the rapid fire one in this list because then you can put them back into tactical and then they can shoot if they get locked into close combat using uh, mm-hmm. fire discipline, which is which yeah. is the key here to me. And and having Ezreal having the brilliant strategist, uh, he also gives you two extra command points. So I ran a patrol. So this is a patrol detachment. Uh, which is why you only see two troop choices. Uh, so you have less command points, but you do get plus two from Ezreal, which is nice. Uh, supporting him is a lieutenant, and this is just the regular Dark Angels lieutenant, but the way I pointed him out in the list is that he is the uh, the one from Indominus, where he has the Storm Shield, he has the Sword, the Neo-Volkite, uh, I paid to knock him up to uh, Rites of Initiation. Deathwing. So he's yep, Deathwing, so, he's Deathwing. so he gets free transhuman. Uh, and the thing I, I, when I built this list, the thing you have to remember about being a Dark Angels player at the beginning is that you are a Space Marines player first. And not just any Space Marines player, you are a Loyalist Space Marines player. Mm-hmm. All right? Key here, Loyalist, uh, which means you are inherently, by nature, a shooting army. In my opinion, that's my opinion, having looked at this game for as long as I have. When you look at the rules and the, the way they're written at the bare baseline level, what makes Chaos Marines Chaos Marines is that they are spiky, punchy Marines, and Loyalist Marines are not so spiky and not as punchy inherently. Now, you do have your different chapters that change that, like Space okay. Wolves and Blood Angels, but at the core, it's, it's a DACA army. And that's what I'm looking at here. That's why I run the lieutenant, because you have reroll ones, and one unit gets re-roll, full rerolls off of Ezreal every turn, and then the lieutenant lets you reroll right. your ones to wound. So you have rerolls on both the hit and the wound roll across the whole army, because it's core, uh, and I believe all these things are core. Yeah, all those things are core. Very uh, Yeah, there's a lot of efficiency you get out of out of that army, yep. or out of that having that kind of philosophy. Yep. And then I have the Chief Apothecary Primaris Apothecary. So this is one of those things where you can get one of these. They're everywhere. 
They're, I don't think they're that hard yeah, to yeah, find. Yeah. So I went with him, made him the chief apothecary, so you can bring a guy back for free every turn and he heals. Uh, and then I had I went with a blade guard. Oh, this is kind of a weird model for him, or painting them all red like that and green is kind of weird. But uh, went with the blade guard veteran or the blade guard ancient because they're everywhere. Uh, they're really mm-hmm. fun to convert. Uh, and he has he's deathwing, so he has inner circle as well. And so that was a key thing for me. Uh, now you don't get the benefit of his plus one to hit for blade guard units within six inches because nothing else is blade guard. Uh, but he does have the normal ancient rules where if one of your units dies on a four up, they get to make one final attack, which is important because if you have a gun, that means you get to shoot all the shots out of your gun. And right? you just overcharge it because the dude's dying yep. anyway, so who cares? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have the assault intercessors, and I believe I paid on this because this list ended up being like 990 points. And so there's some flex choices you can make with power weapons on sergeants and things in this. Uh, so in here, I gave the sergeant a thunder hammer. Uh, because if you've never played with a Thunder Hammer Assault Intercessor Sergeant, you have not lived. Uh, because if you, I, I think I think I, I'm I'm personally a fan of the power weapon because then you can upgrade it to a Heavenfall blade, oh, that's also uh, which makes him dead killy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Thunder Hammers Thunder Hammers do some work too because they get to fight twice. They do have that stratagem for two mm-hmm. points, so that means that guy's thrown out. Like eight attacks in one turn with a thunder hammer by himself. If he doesn't die, it's yeah. pretty good. Uh, then I have regular assault intercessors, and I have them with the uh, rapid fire. Interesting. Going back to that last round against Mike, he had the assault version on his intercessors, and he kept calling them assault intercessors because they had the assault bolt rifle, and it just threw me off because I'm like, dude, they have guns. They don't have chainsaws. And he's like, well, they have the assault gun. I'm like, oh, I get it. And that's also one of the yeah. times I've ever seen anybody play with those. And they were super fast because he was advancing and shooting them the whole game because they were an assault weapon. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, uh, I, I think for us, it's definitely the, the rapid fire yeah. one's definitely the right choice. Yep. Definitely the right choice. Uh, and then uh, Hellblasters, which we previously mentioned. Uh, and then, sort of in this flex spot, I wanted, because like, these are good mid range, but killing vehicles can be hard unless you super commit to overcharging them Weapon. and then playing weapons for the dark age on them and dumping all the rerolls and and it's and then they might die and it gets kind of a mess so so i had a problem with that uh this last week game i played where when you play into space marines or once again like custodes or a couple other factions that have like really important defensive buffs when you say all right i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and this like okay uh i'm gonna transhuman them and it just choom cuts the effectiveness you know, the the investment you get in those command points down significantly. Yep. So having multiple layers of attack, multiple layers of threat is is really important. Yep. And at 135 three multi gun guys from your eradicators, I thought that was would be sufficient enough to kind of back up with sort of some heavier anti tanks. So you have some melee blend here, you have some bigger tank shooting here, some mid range uh, elite killing in here. These guys can clear out hordes with their guns. And then Ezreal, this lieutenant with... Because I didn't go through all the warlord traits because I, I didn't really pick any cause outside of Ezreal because I think there's a lot of flex. Like if you want to go utility with rights of war or if you want to mm-hmm. try and make him more killy. But, I mean, he's a dude with a power sword, a storm shield. Of, so he has a four-up invuln, a two-up armor save, four attacks base with plus one when he gets charged or does charge or intervenes. And then you could give him a relic like the Heavenfall Blade to give him more attacks. So there's like a lot of flex in these two guys because Ezreal can fight, and I feel like this lieutenant, if you 
were wanting to put the resources into them could also fight. Uh, and so you have some melee deterrent in this, in this list, to back up and protect these guys. And basically my idea was, so if we come over here to the board real quick, see so if we can move these guys over here. All right. We have like, so we're going to just... Um, gosh, I don't remember how to manipulate these guys quite as well as I want. So we're just going to do this real quick. But basically the idea is that you, you put these guys sort of in the front. Hold on, uh, there are... There's an extra guy. Get out of here. Five man. Get out of here. Uh, then, of course, you put, like, Ezreal in the middle. You put the lieutenant in the middle. This is kind of a very blocky project. Uh, you put the, uh, the ancient in the... Apothecary in the middle. Then you put your dudes in yep, here. Yeah, you just make your little make your little death ball. Yep, and it's so. And the at the incursion level, you get a lot more sticky objective games. So you can control a couple of objectives on the first turn, and then then consolidate yourself up into a into a ball. Yep. Yep, and you just you just start loading dudes in. Basically, made some dice. Oops. And then you just kind of wherever you feel like you might be exposed. You throw some intercessors light, and these guys can like sit on the back as well. Like you could, if you have more depth, like like this is for like Dawn of War, so like you don't really have the amount of have Dawn of War deployment, which is the long, the short board. Is that what people call a short board? Sh yeah, it's the short board, or no, uh, it's the long board edges. Long board edges, right? Yeah, the set piece uh, deployment with long board edges. So this is a little bit harder with that here, but you could you know put these guys off the back, like Charlie talked about last week in the interview. You can put them on sides, like try point, or put these guys in the front because they're punchy, and put the shooty guys in the back. I would like these guys for a counter charge, so I would, I'd rather sacrifice the shooty guys and then counter charge with these. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Also important to remember that Azrael's bubble, you don't, the unit has does not have to be completely within six; they just have Oops. to be within six. Right. So you can spider guys away from him, and the whole army almost like if you're not trying to ball up against a counter a charge threat. The whole army can stretch out and basically get a four up and yeah, roll save. Like a giant shooting, which is really nice. Yeah. And you can and from there you can like do knock wound and engage in all fronts and all sorts of stuff. But like you just kinda of ball up like this. Like if they want to get into your meat and like maybe you I, I maybe I'd swap these move you know, move uh, hmm. these characters back. I'd move them back so I could put another layer of defense between them because you don't want you really don't want them diving to like push those guys forward and then put your characters back in here so this is a really good way to get oath a moment you can just move this little death ball yep. into the center sit on it and like at a thousand points it's tough to interact with this because they're going to charge you and you're like okay cool i'm fine with you charging me i'm gonna you know fight you and then i'm gonna shoot you and then i'm gonna fight you again because i shoot you in close combat Yep, and that's sort of how this list deploys now. You know, and you, like I said, you just move to the middle. Of the, I thought, like, you know, take oath the moment, uh, retrieve knock moon data, take advantage of the fact that, like, like it makes you can even use the the hell blasters. You can even knock moon with them if you really had to, and then spend two CP and still shoot with them. So, like, if you're tendril, you know, you're doing the tendril thing that mm -hmm. you were talking about, where like if you put Ezreal like there, you can actually go like like do some craziness. 
like this to oh that did not do what i wanted go just over flip there. them over yep there you go yeah um one line. thing that's important to note about this formation uh so dark angels are really good at getting a lot of efficiency and shooting out of like the the, the cover move tactic so when you're going to move your ball so once again in the command phase you have to declare what is Azrael going to give chapter master rerolls to so you probably are going to be tempted to say i'm going to give chapter master rerolls to my hellblasters but with two units like this that you want to shoot with you can always say well i'm going to give chapter master rerolls to one of them and honestly i'd probably put that on my guys in uh, in front and then you can spend two cp to make a unit not move count as not moving an infantry unit and then they're gonna get plus one to hit so then his reroll ones to hit aura basically is reroll everything so yeah. there's a lot of flexibility with that and being able to uh to get a lot of efficacy out of multiple yeah. units yeah and so, you so the one thing some... oh sorry i was gonna say so you can do something like this and if you position it right i feel like you can keep things inside the four pin bubble and you could knock you know you'd have to move it forward you know this table it's not as convenient but you'd be able to move it forward and like you know i could knock moon with these guys over here i can knock moon in this corner i can knock moon over here and if you move right down the middle you can yeah. like bounce squads over the table quarters fairly easily wholly within but more than six inches from the center and knock moon your way up the board every turn uh and, and still pay to and still pay to shoot and another thing yeah. having access to Azrael, let's get incursor or uh, incursion level missions you only get six cp well now you have eights Right, so yep. you get more. So you basically get into you can do one additional uh, like battle tactic stratagem. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, that's, it's that's, um that's it's a lot of lot of heavy infantry. Yep. All right. So yeah, practicing that little deployment uh, technique, like how you're going to move, is honestly one of the most important things you can do as a space marine player. So is managing your auras is is like the the fundamental tactic of how to play space marines. So managing your auras to figure out where they need to be. So, all right. Uh, you want you want to see what I'm going to do at two thousand points? Yep. All right. So I got it all set up right here. Let's take a look. Okay. So apologize for the blue, but um, <laughs> I I my TTS model catalog is somewhat limited, uh, and this is what I have. So what I got here is a single battalion detachment, right? And it's led okay. once again by Azrael. right? Uh, so I, I've tried to make this stuff that's relatively easily accessible. You can get access to all these kits. Um, only thing that's gonna be a little little tough is the apothecary, the Ravenwing apothecary, because yeah. you have to get that in a Ravenwing Black Knight kit. Um, but it's worth it. You should you should get one. So all right, so Azrael once again for the same reasons we previously described, and he's gonna do a couple another thing in this list that I'll get to when we start talking about how to position it. Then a Talon Master, and I've gone ahead and and made the stance that you should take Rights of War and Arbiter's Gaze, uh, okay. because the Rights of War is going to give you the ability to have the Obsec Aura. And then I've also taken Samael. Oh, so and good. once again, the, the reason I've made this choice is twofold. One, Samael is gonna, obviously going to interact with the attack bikes and the Talon Master because he can give them Chapter Master rerolls. Now, the Talon Master normally doesn't have access to rerolls because he's, he's not core, but Chapter Masters can give characters rerolls. So you can give your attack bikes intent is you give the attack bikes rerolls on turn one they go up they kill something and then after that you can give the talon master the rerolls if you want so and also late in the game samuel can chapter master buff himself and now he's rerolling his uh 
plasma cannon and his himself in close combat. So that's very uh, efficient. And there's one other thing he's going to do, which I'll get there in a second. So then I have a chief apothecary. And I think the chief apothecary is very important in this because we have six blade guard veterans. Right? And these blade guard veterans are going to be the stiff backbone of this army. Uh, these are what's going to be your countercharge threat. They're going to basically stand in front of Asriel and basically say, hey, best of luck, come at me. So I don't have a pen in remembrance because I wanted to do other things and I don't want to just lean in on the ball here. But I wanted to demonstrate a couple of other things. But yeah. the Blade Guard veterans are just, they're dead killy. Yep. They provide, and they're, they're so hard to move, especially when Azrael is standing right next to them and you can, and they're rerolling ones to hit. And once again, you charge them, they are hitting on twos. They reroll ones to hit. I don't need to use Chapter Master rerolls on yep. them. That's the thing. So because what you're going to use your Chapter Master rerolls on is this giant, chonky Redemptor Dreadnought. Yeah. <laughs> because, remember, Redemptor Dreadnoughts are core. So, yeah. uh, what I would prefer is I want you to take the Plasma Incinerator instead of the, can the, uh, the Onslaught Cannon. Because um, you're a Dark Angel and you should always take Plasma when the option is presented to you. So, the other important thing about this, and I'll show you when we line these guys up on the board, is the Dreadnought is going to give you a very important anchor for your little mini Death Ball. Because if you need to charge the blade guard into something you don't want to leave Azrael on screen for look like out sir and that's where the dreadnought comes in oh yeah because yeah, he's a vehicle because he's a vehicle right so he's gonna one model is gonna do look out sir now he doesn't have interval save so you know if you're right. looking at tau rail guns yeah. or probably a couple other things right so i usually don't take redemptors because i don't think they're i don't think they're durable enough um but they're they're such an icon the dreadnoughts are my original version's list did not have it my one of my friends recommended it uh, because Dreadnoughts are just such an iconic Space Marine unit, and yep. the Redemptor Dreadnoughts are not that hard to get a hold of. Uh, I think the probably a more competitive version of this list would have a con Contemptor, a Relic Contemptor. Uh, but once again, I don't want to recommend Forge World stuff uh, right. for a new player. But there you go, right? Because the, the Relic Contemptor is going to have an invul save. So, all right. So let's move on to our troops. So I've got three units of troops here. Uh, so I've got two units of Infiltrators. I know they look like scouts, but they're just hiding. They're Infiltrators. Trust me. <laughs> so the reason I've taken two squads of infiltrators uh, is because one, you need to secure your backfield against against deep strike, and you need to be able to score knockman data and engage on all fronts because that's what I think this list is going to do. It's probably going to go oath the moment. It's going to go knockman data, engage on all fronts. So the tactic here is you're going to leave one unit of infiltrators kind of in your backfield to sit on an objective, maybe or maybe throw up a banner and or do a knockman, and then. Two of those units, you can completely secure your backfield against Deep Strikers, right? And Deep Strikers are going to be a big thing with all the Eldar that are coming oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So securing your backfield against Deep Strike is a big is important. So then, turn two, maybe turn three. Once you've gotten the Knockmans on both turn on both of those, you're going to pull one of these units back into reserve using the concealed position stratagem or whatever it's called, Girl the one where tactics. you can undeploy. Guerrilla tactics, you could undeploy a Phobos unit, and then they're going to, on turn probably four, maybe three, drop down into your opponent's backfield and get Knockman data from there. Yep. So that's why I've tried to do here. So then I've got another unit of I've got a unit of intercessors to finish out the battalion and just kind of provide, once again, an objective sit, and they're gonna screen probably the back of Azrael's bubble. So Azrael's gonna have Blade Guard in front of him, and he's going to have intercessors behind him. With infiltrators securing your backfield, 
and potentially flying off to go uh, contest the enemy's uh, table quarter. So the next piece, you're like, why aren't these Hellblasters doing the same thing? Well, here's 10 Hellblasters. I went ahead and made the move to make them Assault Hellblasters, so they have the three-shot Assault Gun that shrinks six uh, overcharged to seven because you need the shots. I think you need the firepower. Uh, having 10 of them gives you some flexibility. So one, if you're in a just a shoot-off mission, then you can put a big brick of them, at ten unit of 10, Behind Azrael, they're going to get the absolute maximum efficiency out of Weapons of the Dark Age. Yep. They're going to get the absolute maximum efficiency out of your Chapter Master rerolls, and they're going to do a lot of work. But what I think the flexibility here is, is most games I think you would probably combat squad them. And why am I going to combat squad them, Bailey? Is this an Impulsor right here? It That's is. an Impulsor. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Half of them are going to go in the Impulsor, and the Impulsor is what is going to let you, on turn one or turn two, develop your position in an unpredictable way. When I mean develop your position, I mean you're going to develop a firing angle from a flank. So you're going to deploy the Impulsor probably on the side of your deployment zone or in the middle center of your deployment zone so that you can use the Impulsor to move, jump the uh, Hellblasters out, and then get them into get them touching cover and get an angle on something and then they were going to put a lot of firepower down range. And that's the other reason that Samael is in, this, is in this list. Because Samael is a captain for everybody. So Samael is going to... the base. One of the tactics I think you got here is when your Hellblasters jump out, Samael is going to move up to provide a captain reroll for them. So you jump out of the Impulsor. I spent two CP, so now I don't count as moving. I'm hitting on twos. I'm rerolling ones. And if I want to, I can overcharge and put... 15, strength 7, AP 4, maybe even AP 5, 3 damage shots down range. But oh wait, there's more. Because, once again, this is a flex option. You can do this or not do this. I put uh, a mastercrafted weapon with Mark for Command on the Hellblaster Sergeant. So his assault, Hellbla his assault plasma uh, <laughs> incinerator is 2 damage base, so it overcharges to 4. Ooh. Because, Ooh. yeah. Nice. So this is going to be, so yeah, so you've got flexibility now, right? So I can use this to develop a forward position. Uh, I can use it to take an objective. I can use it to knock someone off an objective. And I've got another shooting castle behind Azrael. So he's got Blade Guard in front. He's got Plasma uh, in Hellblasters behind him. And then I've got two flanking units, right? One of which is going to be the uh, multi-melted attack bikes. So the multi-melt attack bikes, turn one, the intent is Sam's going to give them the chapter master reroll. Then they're going to go do their thing. Now, how you deploy this army is going to be very, very important because you have to consider, am I going to use the hunt? Because if you use the hunt, that happens before the game begins, or after the game begins, but before its first turn begins. So if you intend on using Samael to chapter master reroll your bikes, then you have to deploy him so that he is in range of using his chapter master reroll, which is six inches after you've right. done your hunt move. So that's kind of one of the things you need to look out for here. Um, I don't think using hunt on the multi-melted attack bikes is a good choice a lot of the times because you need this unit to be like, you don't want to throw it away. Right. right? You're going to want to harass a flank with it. You want to develop a line and you know attack a key uh, a key vehicle with it 
or a key heavy infantry unit. Yeah. Uh, maybe like if there's a, a, a big crusher stampede monster, yeah. then sure I'm gonna I'm gonna buff everything up. I'm gonna throw them forward. We'll get this done, hell or high water. But I think holding these guys to the towards mid game is going to be a better choice. Well, and this is where you do the uh, you you stay in the tactical doctrine right a second turn instead of jumping straight to assault, and then you can uh, brilliantly strategist brilliant strategist the bikes back into devastator turn three. All right, they they. Still it depends can... once again. It depends on your on your on your movement and the right. and the matchup because brilliant strategist only works within six inches of Azrael. Right. Um, and once again, you've also got the two other... So the Dark Angels have two other ways to manipulate Doctrines. So you can use the adaptive flexibility yep. uh, from the main Space Marine Bolt book, but you have to be within range of the Warlord to do that. Or the Dark Angels one, which is the adaptive tactics, that lets you put a unit into the Doctrine of your choice. Okay. So I personally think that uh, if I was going to do this, I would be brilliant strategizing. Uh like if the Talonmaster happens to be sitting next to the talent to Azrael, he's going to brilliant strategy him because that just makes a lot of sense. Yep. And if you get an opportunity for your Redemptor to go in and do and do his thing, then putting a Redemptor Dreadnought into all doctrines is really good Ooh, because he yeah. has a lot of heavy weapons and he has a lot of assault weapons and that fist hurts punches. things badly. Yep. It punches the crap out of stuff. Um, also, once again, if you want to mess with the points a little bit, you could put the Redemptor Dreadnought uh, into Rites of Initiation so that if he gets to touch a vehicle or a monster, he's going to reroll wounds to that giant fist that does 3 yep. plus D3 damage. Yep. Once again, the original version of this list had that, but I, I, I wanted to get a couple more units in here. So I think this list is, uh, is, is, is good. I think it has a lot of flexibility, and you can respond based on your, on your deployment and your movement to a lot of different threats. What do you, what do you think? No, I I like what you what you've got here. A lot of options and what you can do with uh, your army. Because even then, if you wanted to, you could even combat squad and throw. Because these guys fit in a, the the blade guard fit yep. in in the impulsor too. So That's you true. Half of them in there. The intercessors can go in there. Infiltrators can go in there. Because the dedicated transports, they're not dedicated to a specific squad, right? So you can like run it around and pick up things and move them around as you need them going forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the only um, so it's like the, the scenario where you have ten Hellblasters sitting yeah. around Azrael, you could definitely put the Blade Guard right. into the Impulsor and use them to rush, the, you know, to bully the center of the board, yep. uh, or or maybe bully the side of the board is probably a better option because yep. you don't want depending on how the line of sight plays out, you don't want everyone to be able to draw to draw a bead on at the same time. Uh, other thing is the Ravenwing Apothecary. Uh, I put the Astartes Grenade Launcher on him. Because that gives you access to the stratagem that prevents people from falling back. So if you can tag somebody with that, then charge your blade guard or charge your dreadnought in there, uh, and then just throttle the charge so that like only one thing is touching. Then you fight. Only one thing fights, and then you pile in. So you can you can wrap and control. You don't even need to wrap. They can just they can't fall back. Which means they're not even eligible to use the desperate breakout stratagem because they cannot fall back. Which is good against Tau with the way their rules are written right now, where everything falls. Yeah, back. unless they're battle suits, don't do that to battle suits. Yeah. <laughs> they will shoot you in combat. So, so yeah, yeah uh, that's see. that's what that's what I got. I was gonna say let's let's show them show uh, the people at home what you're this this formation you're talking about. Let's let's get these guys. All right, so here's forward. what I'm thinking. Move. Oh, so wait, I missed. Oof. Oh. Well, yes, because I've got control of it. Ah. All right. So 
There's I'm going to put... Back here. Um, I'm going to go get him. Yeah. That's fair enough. If I am deploying Dawn of War, I'll probably put my Impulsor kind of center because looking at this, the line of sight to him is going to be real touchy. Yeah. I'd probably actually go more like this nope. so that um, they're going to have to work pretty hard to, to develop a... You know what? Actually, based on this terrain, I'm thinking I'd probably put it over here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if they want to get up to it, they're going to have to try to get a to get a line of sight. Yeah. Really, only I'm exposing line of sight from the the right from my right flank. Uh, then I'm going to put five of the intercessors. Or sorry, correction. Five of the hellblasters in there, and then I'm going to put Azriel. See, I'm not deploying in the order that I would deploy uh, in in the game. I'm just going to try and build my picture yeah. here. Although, you know, I, what, what would you suggest? Because I sometimes find, especially if, if you're a new player, you mess up your bubble. You don't leave room for your characters or leave something. Else. So do you, do you prefer the idea of dropping your character first, like at, at the beginning, and then building around that character? Or do you suggest you know dropping say like your blade guard like the screen unit and then measure off of him, them where you put everything um i i usually i usually build build the units around him i build the screen first and then i put the character in okay um i don't know if i've ever actually considered doing it the other way to be perfectly honest uh what, do you think there's an advantage to that well if you so if you are really good at deploying your screens and then dropping the characters. You can actually not give away where your death ball is going to be right out the gate. Whereas, you know, like if you're stringing models out and things like that, and you're doing like the noodly thing, because uh, that gives you multiple options potentially of places to drop the character bubble. Whereas, if you go out there and the first thing you do is go, here's Ezreal then your opponent knows, okay, his whole army is going to be within six inches of that spot. I deployed my army in response to it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, I've played a variant on this list before where I uh, use the Hellblasters and Impulsors and then Azrael and a little command squad was in a drop pod. So you could move the Impulsors, dr jump them out, the Hellblasters out, and then drop Azrael in. With you know a lieutenant and a uh, and a command squad to create an instant shooting castle anywhere you wanted it to be, um, and that's and that is effective. I I I liked I liked that. So let's okay, We don't really have objectives set out in this game or in this one, but I'm probably gonna set these guys up somewhere over here. Well, a lot of objectives I've noticed uh, playing in that tournament, looking through the GT book. There are a lot. If you look at a a die, right? Um, uh, uh, the number five, right? There are a lot of missions that have some variation on objectives being in a f the the, sh the position they are on the on the five on a die. We're one in the middle, right, and then four around it in some fashion, mm -hmm. uh, and like in a diamond. Uh, and usually, because uh, this has got the six, this is, I feel like these objectives are more like an eighth edition board where there are a lot of six objective missions, so you could sit on two in your deployment zone and. Then you and your opponent had two, and then there was sort of two in the middle. Uh, at that tournament I was at, looking at the, the missions in the GT book, there's five, and you are lucky if there's one in your deployment zone. 
So you and there's usually always one in the middle of the board. So you have to be able to get to the middle of the board and and fight for the three objectives in the middle of the board because there's only one in your deployment zone and one in your opponent's deployment zone. At least that's what it looked like to me. Uh, so if you're looking at deployments and you're thinking about deploying, I'd keep that in the back of your head that there are a lot of five objective missions now, which makes it easy for determining if you have more objectives than your opponent because there's an odd number. Uh, but it, they, they tend to, if you think of what a, the number of five, like five pips on a die look like, a lot of objective missions look like that. Okay. So the decision I'm making with the um, attack bikes here is uh, if I go, I, I'm going to try and put them back like this because I don't want them to be uh, picked off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're they're really well screened and shielded. Um, so once again, we're kind of doing this in a vacuum here. So I've basically left one, maybe two lines of sight to the impulsor. Uh, and if they want to try and shoot the impulsor, okay, that's fine. The Hellblasters will jump out of the impulsor into the ruins, which will be within range of Azrael's uh, bubble. Yeah. That's my goal. So, and in this, I'm going to go ahead and I can put the Talon Master on the objective, and because he's going to be the he's going to be shielded by the the impulsor. And also the, so if I can make sure blade I'm within three inches. Yep, three inches of the blade guard vets. So in my apothecary, I'm going to put right over here to make sure that like that. And then Samael is going to go right over here. So how this is going to work, and once again, the Hellblasters are, are embarked inside the transport. So I've got my infiltrators over here. So they are safe, and they're going to basically move up and consider making a run for the uh for that objective and i've got yep i've got these over here and they're going to try and do knock moon probably first for this table quarter and if they get shot at they're going to pop the minus one to hit stratagem that smoke screen uh and also uh they've got this is the squad that has the helix gauntlet so they could ignore the first failed save nice because i paid for that because i had the points so uh, your your first turn move depends on once again a lot on your opponents to deploy. But again, what's the base move for an impulsor? Isn't it ten? It's I think it it's, might be ten. It's it's slower than what you think it is. Yeah, I've got it right here. Do 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 do. So your impulsor's base move is fourteen. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so once again, they don't they don't they don't fly anymore, right? Oh, so, so what brutal. you're gonna do? It was so much fun. Is fly. it was not fun, and when their shield dome was was a four up save, yeah. Well, so, that's, that's spoken like someone that played Drukari at the beginning of ninth edition. Yeah, yeah, that's true, right? So there's seven and a half inches of movement, right? Yep. And then he's gonna turn. So I've got basically, uh, I've got six inches more of movement. And then, yeah, in, in there somewhere. So in there like that. So he's gonna be able to move up like that. So now, my hell blasters can jump out. Yeah. Something like this. 
Yeah, because they had to play with... Ooh. And TTS, TTS Physics, baby. TTS Physics. No, I don't want that Okay. I can get it. Within three inches of I the can, tank. I got last Yep, within three inches of the tank. And also, I'm thinking, okay, when I do this, these bl- every, this whole bubble is going to move up. So hold tab. So I watch my six-inch move. And depending on, of course, on a couple of other things... I'm going to, I could advance them, but I think what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna move up like this to shore that flank. Azrael probably advance. Okay. So he's gonna go up like that. Apothecary. So now Azrael's aura applies to everybody. Yeah. And these Hellblasters have line of sight on basically this whole area right here and i could actually move this guy like this and put that guy like this and i can get another hell blaster to and depending on how you exactly how you jump these guys out you can actually get access to the center of their castle or the center of their deployment zone like that yeah and hey they're standing in your rocky terrain that's cool two cp i get plus one to hit i'm re-rolling ones don't care I'm not interested. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then Azrael probably would have put his, uh, depending on a couple of other things, I could put my chapter rules on either the Redemptor or these Hellblasters. Probably the Redemptor because his gun has a better range. Whoops. We're just moving these guys forward here. Yep, okay. just move those guys forward. There are. And then while I. My bad. Yeah, so I gotta select my hand tool back. And then Samael is gonna put chapter master rerolls on the attack bikes. And they're gonna move up something like all the way up here. Yeah. So they're gonna gonna get to this objective. They get extra move. They they can advance Mm -hmm. and get their extra couple inches move. Um, Yeah, so they can move 23 inches on this turn, still shoot. With rerolls everything, and they're going to be able to get all the way up here, probably control that objective. And yeah. if there's anything over here, they're going to be able to shoot it. And I so on this there's... terrain, there are no there are no windows. That is not yeah. common for tournaments. Usually, the, there are windows in the bottom floor, so they would be able to shoot out at everything back here too. So yeah, so you can either make the decision to advance them to get the four up save. Or to not advance them, don't get the four up save, but tow one of them into Azrael's bubble, depending yep. on what the specific terrain looks like. And then I'm probably going to leave these uh, these guys right here. Yep. Um, Maybe spread them or, out so you get a bigger bubble. Yeah, I'll, I'll spread them out so I get a bigger bubble. But then they're going to probably, uh, I will not retrieve Knockman with them because yep. I'm going to want to do it with these guys over here, right? Yep. And then Samael. He's gonna go up like this. Yeah, he's a, he's a so he's that next combat. So he's a deterrent by doing that. Yeah, so actually, I'll probably put him behind the this, behind this terrain. So he's still gonna give them. They've got chapter master rules. That's fine. I don't need to give the Hellblasters a captain rule because they've got Azrael, and so I can guard him and set him up for next turn, where I can give them chapter master rules again, so that they can move out further. Right. And in this case, my Redemptor has a toe on the objective. I'm controlling the objective. And I've got 
with my Talonmaster here. Uh, I can either spread these guys back out, but I've got from these infiltrators over here, 12 inches. Yeah. This whole area, this whole area is zoned off. Yeah. So, yep, this whole area is locked out. And there's a so, lot that Talonmaster can do because he can give you plus one to hit with a stratagem. If he can see something, he well, also can... Uh, yes. He can... Uh, you can use it for... So the the, uh, the Ravenwing no escape. He yeah. picks a unit in the command phase. Yep. So it's probably not going to be effective on turn one. You pick a unit in the command phase and all Ravenwing core ignore cover for that yep. against that unit. So, so yeah. Um, try and not to be, as we discussed before... Wound as well. And he's a lieutenant, right? So this whole bubble up here... As I move the Talonmaster up, he could shoot out of that window. He's giving all these guys reels once to wound. So this is a really effective little bubble. And I've been able to push up and project a lot of shooting firepower right into the core. And if they charge into this, okay, they could charge into it. Okay, I'll lose a couple Hellblasters, but I've got a six-up feeling of pain yep. from the Apothecary. And if they really commit to it, they'll get into the center here. The, the Blade Guard are going to countercharge them yep. and tear them apart. So, uh, and also, if they really charge into it, then if they manage to touch the Impulsor uh, after they kill, I can just swing the Impulsor around and potentially block off the movement. So, moving, one of the things that's really important to consider about this type of thing is uh, the order of activations. When you, if you, someone gets within one inch of you, you get activated. So, I can now, uh, I would even consider maybe interrupting with the impulsor to move it just to block access or pin them so that when it comes time for them to activate again yeah. or if there's another unit that has activated I've pinned them and they don't get to make their pile and move because they're already as close as possible to an enemy unit yeah. so um, this is a this is also another tactic that uh, you'll hear about from Napole uh, Napoleonics called a refused flank so I've basically refused the left flank and I'm advancing and developing my right flank. So I've got I'm sh I've got shooting into the core, and I've got my most durable units standing here. So they're, they're going to advance here. It's going to take them a lot of effort to dig me out, and they're going to have to move hard into it. So I'm and buried in this, these trees. The terrain, right? Yeah, the trees yeah. and the rock here. Yeah, the terrain yeah. is preventing I'm, movement. I'm, I'm buried into the trees. I'm anchored the these blade guard between the trees, the objective, and this rock that's impassable. So uh, it's... Yeah, so this is a pretty... And then these guys over here, once they do their knock command, uh, if the opponent doesn't think that they've got the resource to shoot over here, they will guerrilla tactics, pull them off the board, and then next turn, they'll be available to drop down anywhere Let's I want. Say, like over there. Or just leave them off the board. Honestly, I would leave them off the board and bring them in on turn three because I'm going to be able to do knock command over here as well. Yep. Yeah, I always feel like it's important to do knock command where you can without being malign. Uh, you know, molested by the enemy, where they're gonna bother them, uh, and and like you said, wait for them to come on to you in the later turn so you can jump in behind them because they're gonna have to create gaps to try and get rid of you. Yeah, yeah don't make it. And hard on if yourself. you're, if they're investing resources in screening, okay, you know that's stuff that's not coming to you, right? They're eventually gonna have to push it forward, and if so, you can just bring your guys on in the middle, or and then. Um, if they've if they've got your whole their whole deployment zone perfectly screened out, they're probably committing enough stuff that it's not an issue. Unless they're like Tyranids or something, um, in which case that's probably not the right tactic to use. I would probably pick a sec a different secondary against them. Yeah. If they've got enough board presence to screen everything. Yeah. So, okay. No. So that's how I kind of envision this. Once again, I think there are, I think there are um, 
a lot of options available in this oh, list, yeah. and there's a couple different ways you can play it based on the opponent you have and what you need to push and present. If you need to push the blade guard into the center of the board to hold a center objective, or be, or be a counter charge threat, because once again, if there's a big line of sight blocking uh, ruin that has walls with no windows in the middle of the board, I'm going to push those blade guard right into the middle. Yep. They can't get shot because it's line of sight blocked, and they have a charge. They basically control that whole thing. Because once again, they move six, they charge six, seven, 12 inches around these guys. You don't go anywhere near it, or you're going to get killed. So if I control the center of the board, I'm denying all that. And if I see that that option in the matchup and in the mission, that's a great reason to take Oath of Moment. So, all right, that is that's my strategy for this. I think I think all these units are pretty accessible, uh, with the potential exception of the Ravenwing bikes. Um, I think you or the Black Knight bikes, you can get them on GW's website right now. They're in stock, uh, and you're going to want a Ravenwing Apothecary anyway because it's one of the most powerful units the Dark Angels have. Well, and, so. if, and if you need help on how to build one, because you have bikes and you don't want to go get it, uh, you go to Thankless Wargaming's website to the blog. I have a I show you how I made mine, where I took a, just a regular Raven Wing bike sergeant and took some bits from other kits that I had and did him up and then painted him white because apothecaries are traditionally in white armor. And bish bash bosh, you've got yourself a Raven Wing apothecary. Oh yeah, awesome. All right, All ready right. to move on? Yep, that was good. I like that. Oh, um, I need to get out of there and get back to the notes. Okay. All right. Well, did you uh, did you finish your hobby projects? I did. I had kind of a lot. I had uh, some infiltrators I finished. I finished about 13, I think it was actually 13 Terminators. And to be fair, oh, wow. on the Terminators, it was literally like I had to finish all the little iconography. Like, finish the shields on the guys that had storm shields. Finish painting the weapons. You know, if they had uh, robes, finishing the robes and all the little doohickeys that were on them. Like mo- It was like 80% done. Uh, but I needed the motivation to get them done. The infiltrator squad of five I had, I basically just had the armor done. And so I had to go in and okay. do the eyes and the the metal. Because I like to paint the metal on the top of the power pack and the little vents on the back. Mm-hmm. I like painting those to give them a little, to break up the green a little bit. Um, the belt and the pouches, things like that. And then on the sergeant, his little wrist thing that he's do- doodling on going in and painting all the little buttons on there i like doing that so it just has some color uh I've, so i've got some of them here with me so like i got uh this is the sergeant because he's got the biggest storm shield which is from the nice knights kit uh but if you have the dark angels veterans kit which has gotten harder to find unfortunately uh you have yeah. this <laughs> this storm shield is in there and it's pretty cool. oh yeah, yeah i've seen that i have and one of those and it fits well on it on a Terminator. There is another storm shield in there that's really uh, small, but it kind of has the idea of it's like a little buckler that it's just there to you know he's just very skilled and he just kind of that you know adaptly um, blocks things with his little tiny storm shield. I think that's actually a combat shield. Sorry, as I slide out of frame, I was looking for something. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a combat shield. So that was a thing in previous editions. Uh, it was basically a smaller shield, but yeah. um, it's one of the actually unique things that Deathwing, sorry, not Deathwing, Dark Angel command squads can take, is they can take a com- a combat shield, which is a plus one armor save and a five up invault. Yeah. 
and it doesn't take a hand. So you can have a power weapon, like a, a, a melee weapon, a ranged weapon, and a combat shield. So now it's expensive. I mean, they're five points, but like if you if you do that loadout, then your one firstborn veteran is like is like forty points. But uh, if you're trying to drop in from a drop pod behind enemy lines, like Sons of Horus style, plasma. then yeah, with a combi plasma and a power sword and a combat shield. Um, I, I mean, I've I bought all the stuff to do it. That's what I was trying to find. I have a I have some some three D printed ones, but yeah, it's cool. The, the key so. on that though is if you look at the hand, the hand is Terminator sized on the back of it. That's what threw me off. Yeah, because it's it's definitely bigger than a regular dude. And then I had two lightning claw guys that go with it, and the lightning claws were fun. I liked painting them. So that mm-hmm. was the combat squad. And then I don't do a lot of the squad markings on the model. I do them on the bases. So this is my this is the third company okay. marking for Dark Angels. So this is my third squad of Terminators. So they got the third squad marking on the rim. And, uh, so Interesting. Like, That's cool. So like, I, I, and I do I that like for that. all my squads. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so that's what I got. So what about you, Heath? Uh, well, I uh, completed uh, two squads of Ravenwing attack bikes to a to a tabletop standard. Uh, I'm not going to say they are the details all done, but they've got three colors and they're and they're presentable. So feel I'm going to move my camera real quick. Hiya. There we go. Nice. So just a quick airbrush job. Uh, Yeah, a quick airbrush job. And then I actually really like that uh, the Flesh Terror's red contrast paint. It's I, I love the color and the saturation that it has. So and these are these are interesting. This is the first experiment I've done where uh about half of the multi meltas in this unit. Sorry, no, two of the six of the multi meltas are actually cast with uh blue stuff with out of uh oh. tack. So I was able to use you know a milliput with little uh, molds out of blue t- of uh, blue stuff. Okay. So, yeah, press press one in there, and then put the blue stuff in there. Boop. Give it five minutes. Take it out. Maybe maybe ten, and then another uh, another couple hours to harden, and you got a pretty reasonable facsimile. So nice. Yeah, it's a uh, it works decently well, decently well on things like multi-melters. Uh I've seen some YouTube videos where people have a lot more success with it than me, but hey, when I from from a tabletop distance, it's it's absolutely passable. So, nice. and it let me take take a bunch of extra bits that I had, like little tiny pieces of bikes and and turn it into a completed unit. Nice. So now I've got three squads of three multi-melter attack bikes and uh, behind my fleece over there, which I have up so that the reflection from my from my screen is in this shot, um, I was able to put uh, three or four more multi meltas on a squadron of land speeders. Oh, nice! So I've got if you want to go full like Sons of Anarchy Ravenwing, uh, <laughs> then then that option exists. Yeah, I actually pointed it out earlier today. You can do nine ATV multi melta bikes and nine attack bikes with multi meltas, and it's only like thirteen hundred points. Yeah, uh, the the long war guys talk about like for a thousand points you can get three three squads of three multi melta uh, speeders and three squads of three multi melta attack bikes. Oof, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and there was a there was a list from I think I think an event in Poland a few months ago that we talked about a couple shows ago that did that. It was like 
pure Ravenwing. Everything was flying. Everything was multi melted. It was just like, show up with armor. I dare you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, that's that's what I did. Um, that's what I did. All right. Do you want so, to say I could do a little bit more on them? But yeah. That's good. That counts. That counts. All right. So for next month, uh, I mentioned this being kind of controversial, and I say this because it is sort of a outside the realm of gaming, but real world affects gaming sometimes. So, uh, I would like to comment that I know there are a lot of uh, Russian 40k players, and you might go, well, why are you guys, you know, you're getting this, you're alienated. Like, this is not a comment on individual people anywhere. Uh, this is, this is you know, looking at the governments, right? The governments are getting in the way of, you know, like, the Russian people, Ukrainian people want to get together and play some 40k. That's what it's all about, right? We don't want to be fighting a real war. We want to play with our, with our war dollies. And, unfortunately, people who have a lot of money invested in violence uh, don't want us to play war dollies and that's not cool i uh, just in case people listen to the show don't know i am a retired uh united states military veteran i retired as a chief petty officer for the united states navy uh so um i yeah this is a cause i i care about uh so i'm willing to support this as a matter of fact uh what i'm willing to do and i haven't told bailey about this is oh, uh, any 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 of our listeners who are interested in also supporting uh if you can provide provide you know, objective evidence that you have uh, provided some sort of charity leave to an organization that separates, supports Ukraine. Uh, I will personally, out of my own funds, match that up to a total of five hundred dollars. Nice. So that is that is a commitment I'm willing to make. That's pretty. So sweet. Uh, you can you can uh, I I'll comment. Make sure I comment on the uh, the YouTube video that gets posted up, and if you listen to it on one of the other podcast aggregators, uh, feel free to go to the Dankless Wargaming channel find it and you can you can generally get a hold of me there right yeah. so that is that's what i'm going to do so as i said we have uh, no issues with the you know and in fact a lot of love for the the people of russia the government of russia is in a is is not on the right side of history no so uh as i said the the people of ukraine are in a bad spot uh their their lands have been invaded and they have understandably taken some umbrage with that so all willing, we're willing to provide uh, medical supplies, uh, food, water, basic infrastructure, basic needs uh, to help alleviate that suffering. So that's that is a good cause. Uh, and I don't want people to think that I'm like heartless in the sense, but I live a lot more you know, on a personal level. I, I live a lot more paycheck to paycheck than Heath does. But I will look I'm, at my own personal finances and see how much I can do. And I and I, I plan on contributing either through please. the website or someplace else. But uh, please, please, please feel no obligation. I said I, I am in yeah. a place of privilege. I said I'm, I'm retired military. I have a, I have a pension, uh, and I have a, a fairly, I, I, I do okay for myself. Uh, yeah. And I have no children. I have a dual income, no kids. Uh, so I'm in a position where I can, I, I acknowledge the fact that I have the privilege that I can make a statement like that. Um, so whatever you can, even if it's, even if it's, you know, post on Facebook, you know, say here, we're here for you. Uh, follow, go to Ukrainian uh, creators on YouTube, follow their channels, subscribe, like, yeah. do all those kind of, th- kind of things you can. So, and, and it matters. Uh, the, yeah. the international coalition that, uh, that of NATO has provided a, is, is really just, it's really unprecedented, the level of support that the rest of the, of the civilized world is providing. So, who yeah. All right. Get on there, get in, and make sure to comment. Let us know. 
Heath will go will match you up to five hundred dollars. So let's let's get it done. Yeah. And and don't forget to order some cool minis. Help help them out. So that help you know talking about community right community interaction section. So that's a nice segue. So looking at our comments from uh, the last couple of episodes, uh, looking at last month's podcast as well as the Trey Andre interview. Uh, Chris June came in with his comment about Tau because he's talking about smart sm- missiles. Smart missile spam will do an average of 10 to 11 damage in a turn with proper buffs to a dreadnought. Uh, right, so I'm assuming that's accounting for duty eternals and other things. So I remember what we were talking about, but he obviously is like, yeah, Tau will just. Oh, Charlie was talking about. I think Charlie was talking about how he really wasn't that worried about Tau. And maybe Chris is commenting on me like, mm, they're pretty nasty. I, I haven't know. had a chance to look at the Tau book or play against him. Uh, so I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I'll take Chris's word for it. He, he but, grinds. Yeah, he, dri- he, he, he grinds a lot of games, and if in like yeah. if he refuses to play a, a codex because he's like I'm done, like it's because it is just not fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, the and, uh, uh, so I mean I don't think I don't think dreadnoughts are the profile that you need to worry about yeah. shooting into dark angels. It's not dreadnoughts; it's deathwing terminators. Yep. So, so uh, Alistair Glenn. Uh, I'm sorry if I butchered the name, but uh, that's what I how I figured it out. Uh, so great interview guys we'll be listening to the next episode for sure so well, thank you hopefully you'll be listening to this one here fairly soon I got a kind of a backlog of videos to do but I'm going to try and knock them out this week uh, Scott Staub's back I did get him his package sent he has an outrider on the way in the mail should get to him later uh, next week uh, he says one of your best episodes to date thank you very much Scott you guys really delved into the meat of his lists and the tactics very helpful for Dark Angels players so he's talking about the Charlie Andre interview. He also said, I also wanted to add that I like new graphics, and it seems that you've made some improvements in equipment as well. Good job. Well, thank you on that again. Uh, we moved over to DaVinci Resolve from Lightworks, so I've been trying out new things. Um, got Also, Bailey got a computer that, actually, that has some firepower behind yeah. it. So And some good <laughs> internet. Like that could actually run DaVinci, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so things have improved there. Then uh, to, to Kiwi... Uh, good podcast, my first listen, but it'll definitely be more of them. Awesome, thank you. Hopefully you come back and listen to this one. Welcome, welcome aboard. Uh, and then I think they also asked, uh, any chance you have access to List Charlie, uh, where it was referencing? Uh, I think so I talked I a little did, about this in the comments. I did, I did jump on that comment and uh, post the list, for his LVO list, in one of those comments. So, it is awesome. there. Awesome. That's something we'll try and do better in the future. If we're talking about a list really in depth, we'll, we'll with this one in this episode as well. We'll put graphics up uh, and, and posts that show what the lists what the lists yeah. are. So, and and the big key, at least for me, on that is that right Heath cares enough about looking at the list that he pays for BCP, so he's paying to have that access. And so, like, if Heath is then giving out for free, he's like under. I feel like you're. It's like kind of almost undermining the best coast guys. So it's like if you really care about the list, it's not a big subscription fee. Like, if you care that much, help it's, them out because this, it's fifty dollars a year. Yeah, it, yeah, it's $50 a year, I think. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, we're, we're talking about it in depth. Um, you know, we can we can probably commit to trying to make, you know, once again, we're not yeah. providing access to literally everything, but we yeah. go through and we talk about it. I think we can I think we can put it up on the screen, so it's fine. All right, that works then. And then Sebastian Pask says, great episode. Thank you. Hopefully you come back with the next one. All right. Yeah. Uh, any final comments, Heath? No, that's good. Um, this is a long one. This is a chonky boy of an episode. So uh, thanks for sticking around if you got to this far. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's and... chonky like my cat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, then. So thank you all for listening to this month's episode of the Path to Redemption, the Warhammer 40,000 Dark Angels podcast. Got it right this time. 
Uh, our next episode will be out sometime in the next few weeks because we're having a special guest interview next weekend. Uh, and then we'll have a regular scheduled sort of end of the month into the start of the next month episode for March, uh, which might have... Ooh, that, that, the timing of that of March will be weird because I'm going to Adepticon at the end of the month. Oh, right. And I will Well, yeah, we'll getting, sort it out. We'll sort it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it figured out and we'll have some <laughs> Adepticon we'll figure it out. Uh, stuff. So uh, please like, uh, comment below if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on your preferred podcasting service. And last but not least, we'd like to thank Purple Planet for the use of their music. Until next time, I'm Bailey from Nicholas Wargaming. This is Heathwood Table War Hawaii. Stay loyal, angels.